Ten years ago, a small group of people, ten to be exact, decided to join me on a, on a crazy, crazy mission. A group of people actually believed that we could be used by God to change the city of Chicago and change the world. And you'll get to meet some of them in a moment. We were driven by a very simple mission, and that mission was to connect people to God, connect people to each other, and to connect to the mission of God to serve the world in word and deed. And the thing that got us really excited about this mission was the realization, and it's been so well articulated by Nathan and a bunch of people this morning, is that we were just called to join in on what God was doing. That God had been at work 2,000 years and then some to restore and renew the entire world. And all we were called to do was just join God in that. And it was encouraging, it was hope-giving, and it was motivating to know that God was already at work. I want to introduce you to some people who are the very beginning members or founders of the church. And just a quick funny story. Before we launched the church, I met with them in my apartment. Half of them were college students, sophomores and juniors. They not only looked their age, but they looked even younger than their age. And after we, while we were meeting in my apartment, my wife was going through a residency in Northwestern. She came home, and that was the first time she had met some of them. And she was very cordial and nice. And after the group left, my wife turned to me and said, you're going to plant church with those guys? I said, yeah. And she said, are you crazy? <laughs> I said, uh, I am crazy enough to do it with these guys. Some of you know them personally, and they have been amazing men and women on this journey. So I want to introduce you to um, Stephen Sharkey, Daniel Andre Kaiser, Michelle Carlos Dotson, Alex Taylor, for now. Come on up and join me, you guys. These guys were the f- part of the founding core of this church. And uh, one of the first amazing things as God called us to plant this church was that God had already been at work in uh, all of us. In varying capacity. And some of us, God had actually given a vision, a picture of our church years back before I had even met them. Uh, that's Michelle's story. And so I'm going to go ahead and ask Michelle, uh, who I met when she was a transfer student, sophomore at North Park University. And uh, I got to know Michelle really well. We served together at North Park. And one day I approached Michelle about this church and planting this church. And I'll let Michelle speak from there. Yeah, so um, okay. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was a student at North Park University, and uh, Pastor Peter was a worship leader there. And Alex had actually asked me, you know, do you want to sing on no, first? Can you sing? You want to sing on the worship team? <laughs> I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, and Pastor Peter, being a very good worship leader, wasn't gonna just have somebody walk on the worship team. <laughs> So he wanted to talk to me and, you know, have a good conversation and really get to know me even better. So we're sitting down and we're having this talk. And um, in the course of the conversation, 
he shares this vision that he has of this church and what he's about to do. And he's going to plant this church. And um, if you sort of rewind a few years back, when I was a freshman at Tuskegee University, um, one day I was on campus and a friend of mine came to me and he, this, you have to know this dude, he's one of those people who God was always speaking to him. And so whenever you saw him, God had given him a word for you. <laughs> and so, so I'm walking on campus and he comes and he gets me and he was like, you got to come with me now. We're going to the chapel. God has something for you. I'm like, okay, so let's go to chapel. And he tells me to stand up on, like, we had a built-in pulpit at Tuskegee. So he's like, you need to stand up there. <laughs> you need to just stand there and stare until God <laughs> shows you what he wants to show you. But that's what he told me to do. Stand in this pulpit and you just stare. So I'm just standing in the pulpit and I'm looking out and I'm like, this is, I'm feeling silly. But I'm standing there and I'm staring and I'm staring and I'm staring. And, and as I stared, God gave me a vision of this church. And it was a lot of um, young adults people of all races, and they were worshiping God. And so I'm standing there, and, I'm, and it was freaking me out because I'm, I'm awake, and I'm seeing it as I'm standing there. I'm starting to see these people in these pews and seeing these people fill this, um, oh my gosh, fill this chapel. And I'm getting emotional now because I never, ever thought about this before, but the way that this place is built, it's kind of like the chapel at Tuskegee. So as I'm standing here and looking at you all, you look like my vision. So, <laughs> needless to say, as Pastor Peter is sharing with me his vision of planting this multiracial church, I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, oh God, like, I got to be a part of this. <laughs> and I'm battling it myself, like, is it appropriate to ask him if I can be a part of it? <laughs> like, how, how does this work? So I'm letting he's talking, he's talking, and we, we end the conversation, and I walk back to my dorm. And I'm just praying, like, God, let, please let him ask me to be a part of this. Now, there's no reason for him to ask me to be a part of this. Like, I'm just like, God, you know, this is awesome. Please let him ask me to be a part of this. And so I think a few days later, maybe a few weeks later, sometime later, he asked me to be a part of it. And it was such a blessing to me because even before this moment where I can see the fruition of what God had said he would do, that, to me, was a testimony of God's faithfulness. Because yes. a whole many years ago, when I'm standing in a doggone chapel at Tuskegee, looking out at some pews, feeling ridiculous, and seeing this vision, and wondering, like, am I just, a, you know, I've been standing here for a while. I'm hungry, so maybe this is just me. <laughs> like, <laughs> here, here I am in Chicago, Illinois, and this man is asking me to be a part of something that sounded exactly like what God was calling me to do. So, yeah, that's... That's my story. <laughs> Interestingly enough, right outside of Carlos, all of these folks, rest of them, Stephen, Alex, Michelle, Andrea, and Daniel, were all students at North Park University where I served for two years. Um, Stephen or anybody, what, any of you else you guys want to talk about sort of God's call and what that was like when God called you to be a part of this church and why you felt like this was something that you wanted to be a part of and be obedient to. Anybody? Yeah. I just want to say that uh, I'm thankful that Jenny didn't tell me that at the time. But she was feeling that way. Yeah. And thank you, Peter, for not telling us till much later. <laughs> um, 
But something, something amazing about New Community is that from the very beginning in my experience, I belonged. Um, from the very first time I met Peter, uh, when we started hanging out together as a group, Sharky and EJ and Peter and myself, I just felt like I belonged. And it wasn't, the conversations we had weren't, you know, what are the things you've done to be a good Christian? It was, I just want to know who you are. And I think for, in, in many ways, for the first time in my life, I felt um, like I belonged, like I said, you know. And, and uh, I was just thinking about this in the past week or so, how that impacted the way that I was able to serve as a result of that. Um, because, because the community that was around me was pointing out not, not my flaws, but they were pointing out things that I hadn't realized about how God created me to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that changed my life. It began this trajectory that is changing my life still to this day. Um, it was huge. It was huge. I think for me, interestingly enough, it started before I met Pastor Peter. I went on uh, a choir trip with North Park University to Korea. And while I was in Korea, I was just digging on some Korean food, like hardcore. (laughs) And it was all new to me. And so I got way into kimchi. And so I was just like, what is this flavor in my mouth that I have never experienced before? And, uh, and I thought it was unbelievable. Meanwhile, all, all of my life, I grew up in a neighborhood in Chicago that was like a Korean neighborhood and really didn't, didn't have any Korean friends, didn't, have, uh, didn't eat Korean food. And so I came back to school that next year, and lo and behold, they had hired uh, this Korean worship director for a school. And I was like, do you eat Korean food? He's like, who are you? He's like, we just call it food. All right, so, so we, we started going out and eating Korean food together, and I think that that was like this moment when I started realizing that uh, I wanted to do life with people who are different than me, and, and that was like this huge driving thing for me. I was like, man, I, I feel like I've been missing out on a huge part of the world because I just met this Korean guy, and he's got amazing food in his refrigerator, and... Uh, <laughs> And so who else, what else have I been missing out on? And what I came to realize was that there is so much more to God than I ever knew. That's right. And I was missing out on pieces of God when I was just spending time in my own com- white community. And so as I got to know, you know, these people who are up on stage and so many of the others who became a part of our church, I saw so much more of who God was. Amen. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So... When we, we started the church, um, I, was, I was the worship pastor, which was crazy. There were so many things that were crazy about what we were doing. I did know that Jenny had said that Peter was crazy, but I, I must have been crazy because I didn't think it was a big deal. I was like, here we go. We're just going to do this thing. So I was leading worship and really didn't have a clue. Um, the first meeting that we had in Logan Square, uh, we met at um, the, the church, one of the Catholic churches here in um, and uh, we sang a Donnie McClurkin song, um, Great Is Your Mercy. 
And Sister Alex here came up to me afterwards. She's like, don't do that again. <laughs> it was all right. And with me. you know what? That never really went away, actually. Uh, seven years later, Pastor Michael, where is he? He gives me a call one like Monday afternoon. He's like, yeah, that Fred Hammond song you did. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we, we learned. It was hard, but it was uh, definitely tough. But, I mean, the whole, all the way, we were just getting bigger picture of God. And that was the one thing that we had in common. Yes. Uh, was that we loved Jesus yes. so much. And we could celebrate Jesus yes. and praise God together. And, and that's why I love the, the gospel so much that's so often just shared here. I mean, you go out into Chicago and, you know, bump into, like, any hipster on the street that looks like Pastor Peter uh, they, <laughs> it's a good look, man. It's a good look. Um, bump into any hipster on the street of Chicago, and they all have a community, and they all have a cause. You know? But they don't, they don't have the Christ. They don't have the king that we have. And so our community and our cause looks so much different. And so we came together every Sunday, like you guys do, and just worship, you know, blew the roof off the place because we love Jesus so much, and, and realize really the gospel is not a, a human-centric thing. It's a God-centric thing. God did it really to glorify himself, and it's not about what we can do. It's about what he did, and so we get together, and we say, praise God for what you did, and that's what we've been doing for 10 years. A big part of our church culture from the very get-go was this centrality of the gospel or Jesus. I was I wanted some of you guys maybe speak to that and, and how that was so critical from the very get-go of our church and how that played out in your life and others. Go ahead. And I was going to say, too, just to add to the story, I think when I first became a part, I just remember a question that Pastor Han had asked us to say, and it was after bringing paper out. But you had, what would happen if a generation of believers gather across racial and social and cultural lines? And I just remember us, our mission was God and doing this and answering this question. Yes. was God in answering this question that we can come together no matter what and just focus on what we believe the vision for this church was and we worked night and day for it and many long hours and um, being tired and leaving home early and setting up and doing it just for the purpose to answer the question that we can do this that we believe in Christ and this vision and that we can carry it through yes. and I remember just working I blocked it out, but I remember working hard and us gathering, and that was the part of it. No matter who we were, young and old, we gathered for that purpose, is to focus on being together and having ownership. And just think that at that time, it was like 70 of us starting, and everybody gave 100%. But as we grew, just imagine we continue to give 110% at 300 people, 400 people, just what we can do. Um, to change not only Logan Square, but the world. Yes. yes. Yeah. Anybody else? Yep. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of a free agent, so <laughs> uh, I didn't start off in the beginning, but I was there the first day. I've been there ever since. Can't get rid of me. Um, <laughs> hey, there was a laugh. <laughs> um, I, I think... Um, um, the first day I came, um, someone had invited me um, to the church. I didn't, I didn't know Pastor Peter. I didn't know anything about the church plant. Um, 
And so I came, and I think the biggest thing that spoke to my heart was Jesus. You know, it was uh, throughout the sermon, throughout the worship, throughout everything that I experienced that first Sunday. And it was amazing because it was the first Sunday. I mean, the first time a lot of, a lot of people that attended met each other. And I didn't look at what was around me or what wasn't there or, or where the church wasn't and how people didn't do stuff or did do stuff. It was Jesus because that's, that's what I was looking for. And from then on, uh, God spoke to my heart and said, this is the place where you're supposed to be. Now, if anybody know me, well, I, I can joke a lot, but I am a pretty serious person. Um, and so, um, you know, having God speak to me and say, and say, this is the place you're supposed to be, take this journey with this group of people, uh, I took it serious. And, um, and, and it's just a blessing to know, like, the development of my friendship with all of these people. So it's the Christ community cause, uh, the community of going to all these weddings, yeah. <laughs> seeing the children, uh, see, seeing people who like each other and learn to love each other and get married and, and now have kids, um, and, and, um, and, and the cause, and seeing the warmest Center just as an idea, you know, a, a thought, seeing the people um, in the wintertime freezing and, and knowing that we can do something about this. And we did. Um, and, and then the mission statement, the, the part that really stands out to me is probably a, a word that people may or may not catch. It's the radical, radically mm. advances the cause of Jesus. Radical. Saying that if you're going to do this, why not do it at 110%? Yeah. Why not go all out? Why not say, Lord, where is my place? Why not say if I'm going to do this, let me do it with all my effort, with all my life, with everything that I have, and let's just see what happens. Yes. And so, um, uh, as I finish talking, because I could talk a lot, I think it was just amazing to see people who didn't think they had talent, who didn't think they had a part of, of whatever, and to do amazing things yes. that affected not just us, thousands of people, people who have homes now, people who have jobs and people that were homeless or people that had troubles with their marriage and people that were contemplating suicide, just impacting tons of people because they said, hey, I could do this radical thing. All I have to do is, is, is say, Lord, here's my life and let's do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to echo that. Um, pastor Peter was our worship pastor at North Park University and he was the first leader in my life who wasn't compartmentalized. It wasn't just, oh, you can meet him in his office, but that's the only place you're going to see him. He would invite us into his life, uh, take us out for Korean. He went golfing with my husband and EJ and Sharky, and he just kind of blew away all those little nice, neat walls, how we like to see leaders. We like to look pretty, and I have all the answers in my office. Now you go figure it out. Good luck. He walked through life with us. He invited us to let him into our lives and into our mess and into our pain, into our questions about God. And that really impacted me. That made me want to follow him to the ends of the earth. Like, you know. And he also was saying to us, don't put Christ in this little box. Don't go to church and then walk away. Don't do your little quiet time for two minutes in the morning and then try to figure it out the rest of the day. Like, It's moment by moment. 
and stop pretending that it's not hard. <laughs> stop pretending you don't need people to walk with you because you do. And so I really have always appreciated that about Pastor Peter. It's definitely changed the way, it's changed my life. <laughs> He wants a mic. <laughs> Anybody else want to follow on that? I Anybody? do. Yeah, I just, Michelle, go ahead. Um, when I uh, went to seminary, that's when I really, really came to appreciate, like, Pastor Peter and just what the leadership of this church in general, because I had never been a part of anything like this before that. So the fact that we prayed regularly, the fact that I knew that this was a man who sought after God's heart and who was, who studied the word. And that's how the church was planted. Like that was just normal. Cause that, right. You think that would be normal, wouldn't you? And then when I went to seminary and I would hear people talk about the things that were going on in their church or this or that. And I just remember thinking, well, Lord, <laughs> these people are crazy. Um, and no, that's what I thought. They were crazy because I realized it wasn't the norm for people to pray and to seek God. It was not the norm for people to want to be dependent upon, you know, hearing the voice of God before they made a decision. And I really came to just appreciate new community because, I mean, Every church, anytime people get together, there's going to be mess and flaws and all kind of stuff that can happen. But at the end of the day, I can say that this is a church where the leadership seeks God. Like these are men and women of God who are faithful and who are in the word, who are in prayer. And that is what um, directs their life. And so I'm like, you know, it, there can be all the drama and mess in the world. But if I know at the end of the day you're on your knees, then you're, I'm okay with your mess. I got enough. I got my own and I'm on my knees. So. Um, that's always been a blessing to me. Yeah. Um, because of time, I wanted to ask maybe two, a couple of you guys, just specific moments in the last 10 years that was very formative for our church where we really saw God powerfully at work. Anybody? <laughs> yes, I have hundreds of moments, but I'll sum it. I remember uh, when we went out one morning to... To, uh, we were looking for a building. We were in the, the theater, and apparently the theater was a popular place. Two more churches moved in. So we had to cross two churches to get to our theater. And a couple times the movie started right in the middle of the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and so um, we were out praying at Britano. We, a group of us were playing, like, football with some of the... Um, kids afterwards and we were really praying and we really needed space and um and I just remember all those times of of you know in my heart thinking like Lord is this are you going to move us to another building is, is this church going to make it um what what are we doing uh, are you going to be there for us can you do it I'm putting we, we're putting all our stakes in you and um and we tried, and, and nothing happened with Britano. And, um, and God used some people who were familiar with ICI. And all of a sudden, we, had, we moved to ICI, and we were able to grow, and we went to two services and contemplated three, and eventually we moved here. And, and just those moments of, of being there in need and, and your faith being tested and seeing God move in, in ways that you didn't plan or you didn't see, uh, God has an amazing way of throwing curveballs that are good, mm -hmm. good curveballs. And so 
I don't, we wouldn't be able to grow and to do certain things without God providing those markers. So that's, that's a big marker in my life. Okay. Anybody else? I just, one of the ministries that's been so formative of this church is the Warming Center ministry. And I don't know how many of you guys know uh, how much of a, I mean, nothing's an accident with God, but from our perspective, it just seemed like a big accident. We moved into that place around diversity, not like intending for that to be a warming center. That was just our office. And it was cold one day, and some kids, it was actually kids first, who just kind of just came in, you know. And, uh, and so we started getting to know these kids, and, and we put up a sign that said, hey, hot, we have hot chocolate here. And then lots of kids came. <laughs> And so it really started with all these kids who were showing up. And then uh, the, the homeless men who were right there in the neighborhood, they start, they're like, I want hot chocolate too. And, um, and so it, it started growing. First, it kinda, we had this like, uh, after-school program going on. And then, uh, and then we realized that there was kind of a greater need for, for what was going on with the homeless men there. Uh, but all of that, just, I mean, God did it. <laughs> like, there was, we had nothing yeah. to do with it. We were just obedient to the open doors that God was putting in front of us. And that's the way it's been for everything that's right. along the way. Everything has just been, you know, here's an open door, go walk through it. And we've just been faithful to walk through the doors that God has continually been faithful to put in front of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Where is uh, Katie Sanford? Katie Sanford, um, as we've been talking about the Warming Center, um, eventually uh, we grouped together, or regrouped, I should say, and uh, realized that it had to be a ministry, or had potential to be a ministry that could minister to the homeless men and women in our community. And Katie was our first major hire. So Katie, if you could just take a moment just to kind of take us back to what it was like in the first couple of years serving. Crazy. That seems to be the running theme of the day, but yeah, Stephen's right. It just happened to us. And I we moved in about a year into the game. I was working for the government with homeless people and just desperate to see the church involved with the lives of... Just seeing what would happen if a church was connecting to a neighborhood. And I was getting calls from my friend Stephen in the office like, hey, this person stopped by and they were homeless. Like, what, sh- like, what should I tell them? Like, what's going on? And through these conversations, um, my husband and I decided to come move here. And um, a few months into living here, this guy came into the church office one day, and he said, hey, have you, do you know if there's any warming centers around here? And I said, what is that? And he said, it's a place where you can go inside, and you can get out of the cold. You could just sit down and rest, get something to eat, a blanket, use the restroom and the telephone. And I was like, that's what this is. <laughs> like, this is happening. This, that's what we are. So it had a name for the first time. And... Um, those beginning days were intense. Daniel and Andrea lived across the street, and I'd call Daniel because it was me, like 23 years old and all these men. And it's, Daniel, can you come save me from something crazy that's happening over here? But it was an intense time, but it was just amazing relationships came out of that. And um, I got my tissue. I've already cried five times, but I'll do it again. Um, watching... Um, what happened with Kevin's passing a couple of months ago just took me back to um, the most formative moment that I ever had at New Community was um, July of 2007. I came home from vacation, and um, one of our homeless friends was um, in the hospital in a coma and brain dead. Brian, with beautiful blue eyes, Brian. 
Um, we were the exact same age, and he just drank a little too much one day, and he was never going to wake up. And um, a few of us went to the hospital to be with him, some volunteers, um, the Vandermulens um, came over with me, and um, Brian's uh, best friend Mark from the neighborhood, and some other volunteers, we came and um, were with him in the hospital, and with his extended family who kind of came out of the woodwork when this happened, and um, we sat and watched him die. And at the moment that Brian passed, I just felt so miserable, like, I have failed this kid. He's my age. He's a kid. And I didn't save him. He died just from drinking too much. And at that moment, um, one of his aunts came to me and said, um, you know, we don't, Brian's had a lot of pain in his life. He was orphaned. And um, we don't know why he ever felt in his addiction like he couldn't come to us and let us love him, and he just wouldn't let us. But we are so glad that um, he let you and these volunteers love him and that he was loved and that he wasn't alone when he died. And that was the moment for me, like, that ministry was so hard and so desperate and Grace, I have given so many announcements crying because we need volunteers because it's just so difficult. But that moment of knowing, um, Brian knew at the end of his life that he meant something and that he was a child of God and he was loved. That just just made it all worth it and all the pain and the heartbreak worth it. And God was at work in this place and it's amazing to see how that's continued yeah. to happen. And Daniel and Andrea, if one of you guys, as we talk about this aspect of community, and why it was such a powerful force for us. Share why this is such a critical part of our church and why they need to hear that unless we do this together, that we can't fulfill the mission of God. So I will take you back. It was August 21, 2001. This is a little bit pre, pre-church, officially, but um, we had already launched our first series of community group. It was with Pastor Peter leading every night of the week on the book of Ephesians. He never gets tired. Um, And he called me one night on the night that we're supposed to meet because he called everybody every night that they were supposed to meet to say, hey, how you doing? Are you coming tonight? So when he called me, hey, how you doing, Andrea? It's like, not good. He's like, hey, what's going on? And I told him, today is the seven-year anniversary of the accident that killed my mom and my dad and my sister. And he was like, well, you're going to come, right? I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm just angry at God. And if any of you know Peter, he is really good at not taking no for an answer. <laughs> so after about the fourth or fifth time, are you coming tonight? you got to come tonight. I'm like, fine. <laughs> okay, I'll come. And so I drove in the dark, in the rain, out to the suburbs to where we met with um, a guy named Chan and his group. And um, Peter then just said, Andrea, we just want you to share as much as you're comfortable with sharing tonight. And I shared that for the first time in my life, I was doubting that the word of God was true. Because I had opened up that week to Psalm 91 And it says, if you make the most high your dwelling, then no harm will befall you. And no disaster will come near your tent. So I was really angry at God. 
because my mom and my dad and my sister, they did love God. They did make God their dwelling and their shelter. And how can you say this wasn't a disaster? They had the accident they all died within 12 hours. And I'm just like, this isn't true. You know, and I grew up and I always believed the Bible. I always believed it. But today I'm like, no, it's not. And so he had me come like in the middle of the group. And he's like, Andrea, can we just pray for you? And so he's playing his guitar. <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. It wasn't that song. And nobody was preaching me like, Andrea, just have faith. Or just, you know, just believe. Tomorrow will be better. Nobody said that to me. And pretty soon, like, when he was playing these songs that were just soulful worship, just raw, connecting with God, I realized that I was not the only one weeping. And at first, you know, it was me, and, you know, I don't like to be, you know, gross in front of a group, but it was like the snot was hanging, you know. <laughs> it was not the pretty little trickle. It was just gross. And I remember Alex was there that night, and very soon I realized, like, she was weeping with me. And again, it was not the pretty, quiet little tear, like, there, there, I hope you feel better. It was like she was entering my pain. And everyone in the group was just, was feeling what I was feeling and processing with me as I was processing. And after, you know, I don't even know how many worship songs and just being there together as a group, it was just like there was a sigh. It was just, and that to me was just the Holy Spirit comforting and lifting the weight that I was feeling. And um, there was another woman there named Ellie Ree, and she just turned and she looked at me and she said, God was there with your parents that night. He did keep them safe because he brought them to himself. And I think it wasn't some deep theology that I needed to hear, but it was, it was that that changed my perspective on God, my doubt, my fears, my, my anger, to be with a group that was able to point me back to Christ and say, no matter what happens, no matter what, you look at Scripture and you say, no, this isn't true. But they were there to offer me a different perspective. And again, someone took time to pursue me and not let me shut down and say, forget it. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I don't want people to see me angry and hurt. But he challenged me and that group embraced me. And because of that, I am who I am today. This church has really been our family. You know, from, from the first uh, example that I shared, uh, it just reminds me of Jesus telling his disciples who his family is. Peter is my father. Sharky is my brother. You know, uh, and every step of the way through the diff very difficult things that we've been through, through the joys, this church has been our family. Um, you know, from losing our daughter to uh, to getting ready to go to the mission field and having people just get on board behind us and saying, what do you need? How can we get you there? We know and we're behind the fact that God has called you to missions. And even coming back and sharing in Testimony Sunday some difficult things that we've been going through, just having this sense that this is our family. And, and, uh, and who we are is value because that's who we're created to be. 
And we're just going to walk with you through these things. So I just wanted to let you know that we feel loved because this is our family. So thank you. It's amazing from that group how many folks decided to give their lives to full-time vocational ministry. Stephen is in the process of planting a church in Boston, and we are excited to hear more about that and uh, keep in touch. Michelle and Carlos were sent out, and we're going to hear in a moment, to plant the church in Bronzeville as part of our new community's mission to be a church-planting church. Andrea and Daniel, as they mentioned, were sent to Uganda to minister to orphans, and they've been back for a little bit to be restored and to work on some things. And Katie was sent back to Boston as well to continue to minister to folks over there. And at this time, I don't have a whole lot of time, but I'm going to introduce David Swanson along with Warren and Lamar. I'll give them a big hand. Pastor David was commissioned by the church in April of 2010 to plant the church in Bronzeville with a group of our folks. And I asked him just to share this aspect of what God is continuing to do in the city as we plant churches. And I asked him to specifically ask maybe a couple of folks who were reached by the church in Bronzeville that we might not have been able to reach had we not planted a church there. So, uh, One of the things I believe uh, with all my heart is that um, uh, from the beginning, God has been bringing heaven uh, to earth. Uh, the, the, the realm of God's rule and God's reign, uh, God is bringing that to bear uh, on us uh, so that we pray that God's will will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. And of course, this is accomplished through Jesus. Um, and one of the things that, that I'm learning in, in, as a church planter is that um, God accomplishes this uh, not apart from us, but through us. Uh, and so planting churches is to put yourself in the position of being on the very leading edge of heaven coming to earth. Right, does that make sense? Which sounds beautiful and amazing and holy. And you hear these kinds of stories, you say, well, that's just... But it's hard. And, and, and I want to say that to you because we need to honor these people because you're hearing testimonies of God's goodness, but you need to know that there's been a cost for each of them to live in the place where heaven is coming to earth, where God is doing battle with God's enemies, where God is rescuing people. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a cost to saying yes to God in that way. And so especially those of us who've been planted in Bronzeville, on their, on their behalf, I want to honor you, Pastor Peter, and all of you, because you put yourself in that place where we are now. Um, and, you, and you counted the cost, and you say yes to Jesus in that way. I sometimes think that, that church planting, it's like, um, you know how there's, there's people years and there's dog years? For every one year, it's like seven years. Like, that's what church planting's like. Every year's like seven years, right? Like, you just pack so much into a little bit of time. Um, but in doing so, we get to see God do so much and change us and bring heaven to earth so that people are living under the redemptive, restorative rule and reign of God. 
That's why we do what we do. That's why we're in Bronzeville. These two guys, Warren and Lamar, neither of them, this is Warren's first time at Logan Square, right? This is Lamar's second time. So these guys, they don't really know this story, um, but they're part of this story. And they're here today because some of these folks say yes to Jesus so many years ago, and now they are saying yes to Jesus, kind of living on this edge of heaven coming to earth. So I just asked them if they would share just briefly with you a little bit about who they are, but also what God is doing in their lives as they participate in God's mission through our church. So we start with you, Warren. Okay. I can't do it short. I got to tell the whole story. So all my life, all I've ever cared about and loved was basketball, a game basketball. All I did was want to work out. I wanted to work on my game. I wanted to do all these things. So about a year and a half, I'm going to start the story about a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, I'm in college. I'm playing basketball. I get hurt, so I can't play. And it's my last year, so I'm like, okay, well, can't play. Red shirt, whatever. So I keep hearing these voices in my head. I'm, it's like, yo, you need to start going to church. You got to start. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right, whatever. <laughs> I'm continuing on doing whatever I'm doing. So I'm keep hearing these voices, and I'm like, okay. So one day it gets so bad, one Sunday, I just hop in my car. I'm driving around Fort Wayne, Indiana, looking for a church, just like crazy. So I'm like, okay. So I ended up leaving the school. I didn't like my coach. I'm like, I don't want to spend my last year here. So at the semester, I go home. And I'm like, all right, well, I can start going to church now. I'm going home. I'll find a church at home. So I go back to Lafayette, Indiana. I find a church. I'm like, I'm going to the church. So all, like, I was going for like a month. And all while I'm going to church, I'm still figuring out where I'm going to go to school next and play my last year of basketball because that's what's most important. So I'm like, all right, well, I fly out to a school in California, in Fresno, California. And I'm on my visit. I'm enjoying it. They have a game, and they're playing against a school called Biola, Bible Institute of Los Angeles. I'm like, okay, well. I'm going to watch the game. My best, one of my best friends plays at Biola. So I'm watching the game, and I'm like, I kind of like the way Biola's playing. So I'm like, well, I'm going to call them. So I'm getting on the plane, coming back out here, and I call the coach at Biola. I'm like, yo, I'm interested. I want to come play. He's like, all right, well, we'll bring you. We'll fly you back out here. So they fly me out there. I see the school. It's California. It's sunny. Got basketball. I'm like, I'm there. I'm good. I'm coming. So he's like, all right, well, to get admitted, you got to have a pastoral reference. You got to write a big thing about you. I'm like, okay, well, I've been going to this church, so that should be a problem. So I give it to my pastor. He's, he's like, yeah, I'll do it. So he writes or whatever, and I'm like, okay, do whatever we got to do so I can go play basketball. So I'm signed to go there. And um, so the whole summer, I'm, I'm in Chicago for the summer, and I'm working out, getting ready for basketball. That's all I'm doing. And I didn't have a church here. So all summer I was like, well, I want to go to church, but I don't really have a church out here. And I really didn't look that hard. I went to a couple places. I was like, I don't really like it. So the whole summer I really didn't go to church. So it gets, it's getting to the end of the summer, and it's time for me to go to Biola. And at Biola, it's the real deal. You can't do anything bad. I mean, it's really the spiritual. It's, it's like, it's... I call them, I called it when I first got there. I was like, this is, these are extremists. Like, they're serious about this. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I've always just, 
play basketball. I like girls. Typical guy, you know what I mean? I like girls, I like basketball. So I'm like, I like going out, having a good time. I'm like, well, they got these rules, and that's not going to fly with me because I do what I do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I like to do. That's not going to change my life. So I'm like, so about a week before I'm about to go to California, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to Indiana, work out, see my friends before I leave because I won't see them for a while. And while I'm out there, I'm hanging out, doing everything that I've done my whole life. And God asked me, he's like, are you really happy with this? Is this what really makes you happy? You enjoy doing this stuff? And I'm like, you're right, I really don't. I'm like, okay, well, time to go to school. Time to go play basketball. So I go out there, fly out there. And the first, the first Sunday on campus, right, Sunday night, they have, they have chapel. They call it Sing Spo. I will never forget this. So I'm like, okay, well, you got to do 30 chapels in a semester or they charge you a bunch of money. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to get these chapels in. So I, so, so I, go, so I go, up to the, uh, I, I go up to the gym. I'm like, all right, chapel's in the gym. I know where the gym is at. So I go to the gym. And I get to the gym, and it's a line from wrapped all the way around campus. I'm like, is Michael Jordan in here? Why is all these people here? I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, okay. So I go in there, and I'm talking about people my age, younger than me, praising the Lord. I'm talking about stomping. Like, it's crazy. It's like a concert. And I'm just looking around like, this is amazing. Why? I don't know. I mean, I'm just in amazement. I'm in total amazement. I didn't seen performances in basketball, but I ain't never seen nobody do nothing like this. I'm like, all this? Okay, well. So we get to class. Class starts on Wednesday. We get to class, and I'm, t- you know me, I go straight to the back. I'm chilling. I'm just like, man, let me do this school stuff. And people are walking in there, hugging each other. They're really like, hey, how you doing? How was your summer? You're blessed. Be good. And I'm like, why are they so happy? This is school. Like, what are everybody so happy about? So, the, so my professor gets up there, and he's like, okay, let's pray. I'm like, pray? We at school. What you talking about, pray? Okay, we do. So I'm like, okay, this is weird. Everybody's so happy. I don't know. What is everybody happy about? So we go to basketball, and they're like, all right, we're about to play. I'm like, okay. They're like, let's get together. Let's pray. I'm like, pray? Before we play? Okay, well, we pray. And it just becomes a hat. So I'm like, well, I'm just going with the flow of it. I'm like, well, I'm going to embrace everything that, that's, that we got going on here. So I remember one practice. We always pray, and Coach may call on some different people to pray. He calls on me, he's like, Amar, you pray for us? I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't want to do it. And he looks at me like, I was like, I just wasn't comfortable with it. So the more I'm talking to the people at the school, I'm learning more about Christ, about Christianity. I'm never reading my Bible. Never really opened the Bible. And I, I had these neighbors who would tell me stories of the Bible, and I'd be like, for real? That's a good story. So eventually I started... I started, let, let me look up on this stuff. So I start opening my Bible. I'm like, okay. So I get to reading it, and I'm like really intrigued with, the, with Jesus. I'm like, man, Jesus was the real deal. How you not? So I'm like, I'm getting like, I'm excited about this dude. I like, I go to church, and every, church, every time we go to church, on the way back, I'm riding with a friend. I'm like, dog, I read this story. Jesus was doing this. Can you believe that? And he's like, yeah, man, he really did these things. <laughs> It's new to me, though. I'm acting like Jesus is new. So I'm like, okay. So everybody looking at me. So, okay. So I'm like, I've been at school for like two, three months. And all the things that I thought I loved and really liked to do aren't really as important to me anymore. I'm like, I don't care about these things. And I'm 
In basketball, I was like, I was playing and I was playing well. And I'm like, I don't really want to do this anymore. My, I don't feel the passion for it like I used to. So I'm like, I kind of want to go home and finish my degree and just kind of do something else. So I'm like wrestling with it. I'm like, do I leave? Do I stay? I'm like, God, you just leave me in whatever direction you want me to go. So I ended up coming home. And I'm like, well, my family called me. I'm like, well, I'm going to come home. And they're like, well, we, got, we know this church. This church by the crib you might like. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll stop over there. So I, one Sunday I go over to the school. They're like, it's at the school. So I walk in. I'm like, I'm new to it. I'm, so I just sit down, sit kind of midway, not all the way in the back, but I'm kind of where, where everybody can't see me. So I'm, after church, I um, shake hands with people, and I meet Pastor Swanson, and it's like, He's like, yeah, yeah, we need to talk and all this. I'm like, okay. So I meet up with him. We, we go have lunch somewhere, chop it up, real talk, have a great conversation. So now I'm going to the church. So the next, sun, the next Sunday, or the, yeah, it was Sunday, we came here for Christmas. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of liking this. I'm liking the vibe I'm getting for it. So go back on the next Sunday. So I've been going, and that's kind of how I got to this. And we talk all the time, and... I always tell them, like, yo, I want to do this, and my goal is to do this, and go coach and do this. And I'm like, and I can see he's kind of like, he's like, yeah, he's, he's being real cool, real. And I, so the last time we talked, we go to Starbucks. We have a good conversation. This is a, this is a regular thing. And he's like, yeah, man, we're looking for people who, can, who are passionate about it. And I'm, I'm kind of looking like, I can see he kind of want me to get involved in this. So this is where, this is where it's going. You know what I mean? He's telling me about young life. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. Well, I'm like, so in the middle of our conversation, God talks to me. He's like, well, I tell him, I'm like, yo, I don't know how long I'm going to be here or what, what's going on in my life, but as long as I'm here, I'm your hands. Whatever you need me to do, I'm willing to do it. I love Christ, and I'm, I'm really passionate about it. So I'm like, yo, let's, I want to be a part of it. And that's, that's where we are today. That's why I'm here today. All right, I got I to gotta top, top my story off. Hey, I'm taking my 15 minutes right here. My 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> Lamar, 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 you got 10 seconds, bro. All and right. then Warren's 10 seconds. Okay, We're turning right. off the mic. All right, I'm passing. We're shutting off the mic in 10 seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Warren. Okay, I'm going to try to make mine brief. But I, I do have to tell my full story. Uh, I'm from the South. It's not going to be that long. It's... Pretty unique. You saved the best for last. We, we keep it real in this church, so you got a minute, and then we're going to have our families come on up okay. and lend it. Yeah. Well, uh, I grew up in the South, and uh, my story is like Sharky's, what he mentioned, but the opposite. You know, I'm, the South is segregated. I, I grew up in a black neighborhood, black everything, and so, um, you know, I just was used to seeing things in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually I I left, uh, I went to school, I left Memphis, I went to Dallas, and when I got to Dallas, I saw a new world. Uh, Dallas is bigger, so I got to see people of different races, and I I started seeing that the difference was good, that, you know, uh, the things that they went through was similar to mine, but different, which was great, because, you know, we're, we're not, there's no reason why we should be separate when we're all the same, basically. So I spent some time in Dallas, and then I moved to Chicago because I, I'm, I was in architecture, and I got let go there, and I always wanted to come to Chicago. So I came here, and my plan was just to come and have fun and wait for the market to get better. And um, 
So the thing, you know, I go out and I go do things, and uh, every, Chicago has plenty of stuff to do, and one of the things that I decided to do was uh, this thing called Critical Mass, where a group of bike riders go riding every last Friday of the month downtown. So I didn't know anybody here. So I went out there, and uh, I'm pretty social, and I met this uh, woman named Verna Lynn. And uh, we, we hit it off. Me, her, and another guy, we rode around. We had fun. And later on, she invited me to her church and said, hey, would you like to come to church? I'm like, nah, I'm not really looking for a church. But yeah, yeah, sure, I'll go. So uh, I go, and, and I had never seen a church that, had, uh, that was so diverse and everybody was together. Now, I had seen it everywhere else but church I never knew it could happen in church so that blew my mind I was like oh my god this is something that I've been looking for but I didn't even know I was looking for it you know it's like I didn't know this could happen so I I, I kept coming I kept coming I was like you know maybe I'll find something that I don't like but I'm gonna keep investigating you know so I kept going and it was it was great it was great and eventually I got involved with community group and then that, that just changed everything because I opened up in community group and really got to know everybody. Yeah, I mean, just a great way to get to know the people in the church. But it helped me realize that I didn't know God like I thought I knew him. I mean, I, I was forced to go to church when I was younger, so I didn't, you know, resist and I didn't really want to do anything. So I, I was baptized. I was a Christian. I thought I knew God. But until I, I, I went to community group and got to know people, I really found that, you know, my life had I had been missing out all this time, not only on different races, but just God in general, because my whole time here in Chicago has been amazing. It's been the best time of my life. Mm-hmm. Today's my birthday, by the way. 36 years, and it's been the best time of my life here in Chicago. And I have to say, of all the things that I have less now, like I don't have a job, but I'm stable, I'm financially stable, it's a miracle. I mean, that's a whole story in itself. But I had a lot in Dallas. I had a job, money, all of this stuff, but I wasn't as happy as I am now. And it, it, it just, you know, everybody's crying. I'm, I'm not going to cry, but no, okay. <laughs> but, you know, sitting here while I was sitting out there and hearing the testimonies of everybody, it's really amazing that I didn't know that I didn't know God. Yeah. Yeah. But I know God now, and New Community helped me to find God. That's right. Come on up. Come on up, guys. When we started this church, Stephen was single, pursuing his future to be wife. Michelle was single. Carlos was single. Daniel and Andrea had to be had to be married, and uh, over ten years. We're just reminiscing how our family has grown. So I want you to see, in 10 years, we went from lots of single folks, wound up getting married. Come on up here, guys. Come on up here. My wife is somewhere here. There she is. My son, come on up. Come on up here. Come on up, guys. Come on up. Come on up. Hi, baby. Come on up. Hi. Yeah. 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 I like to say that I was responsible for all of these folks getting married. 
It's technically true because I officiated their weddings, but they'll tell you, they'll tell you otherwise. The way we wanted to end this service was actually, if we have mics and runners, what does new community mean to you? What does it mean to you? So anybody want to just get up? We have runners. Say, this is what this church means to me and why I love this place. We'd love to hear from you. Brief five, six seconds, and then, and then, and then we're going we're gonna to end. Anybody? Just anybody. Just stand from where you are. Wave, stand. Okay. Real quick. Real quick, what does it mean for you? I was running away from God for two years, and I grew up in a church, and I, uh, I came back here, and I was praying. I was lost. I was so lost, and I was praying. And I heard God in his booming voice in my head saying, Welcome home. So Amen. that's what it means to me. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yep, yep, yep. Real quick, real quick. Go ahead, Derek. Uh, I went to my wife here at church. Um, met many people in community groups. Um, also got baptized at this church. Um, but that man up there in the front. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's been many, many, many years uh, being here and all those people on the stage. I know every last one of them. So. And people in the crowd, so just uh, it's been home to me, I guess. Welcome home, Derek. Anybody else? Yeah, over here, Thaddeus, right behind you, right behind you. Well, besides the worship team giving me my wife, that's yes. a big blessing. Um, I was uh, pretty intent on moving back to Colorado when I started getting really involved in this church, and uh, I mean, this church kind of brought me kept me in this city and uh, didn't really have a church body to be a part of just kind of like a hired hand playing drums wherever I could and uh, I don't know I've never been part of a church family that uh, just uh, makes me see God as the integral force of my life so the new community means everything to me Amen Byron go ahead um, I was raised in the church. Uh, we were there every time the doors opened until I got to college, and then I decided um, to leave the church over a technicality. And uh, I thought I knew everything about church, but I had this idea in my heart of what church, what I thought church was supposed to be like about love and grace and acceptance. And uh, I spent a lot of years trying to do it my way. It didn't work out very well. And I was never going to come back to church again. And um, through a series of, of um, uh, coincidences, I guess they were to God wor- at work, um, I found myself here. And uh, I felt at home from the minute I got here. And I've realized that, uh, you know, God was working on me all that time. And, um, you know, this is, this is the church that I had dreamed of when I left the church. Mm. And I'm, uh, I'm just so grateful for it. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you. To me, I feel like this church is a place I can call home. Somewhere, like, I can get out the streets and see something different. A place where I don't got to be tough. I can just be myself. Last one. Last one. Go ahead. I'll be very brief. Well, 
it's family. That's what this church is. Hmm. And um, it's all, all my brothers and sisters, and it's hard sometimes, uh, but it's, it's family. It's blessing. It's God's love. Amen. <laughs> okay, Omar, literally the last one. All right. Um, I just want to give God praise and thanks for all of you. I've been here for a few years and from just from Katie in the warming center and just volunteering there, um, living with Anthony and Flacco and Matt Stevens, who's he's in Florida now, long story, but I've just learned so much about family, community, the breadth of God displayed through many cultures and classes and life experiences. And I've met my beautiful wife, Libby, here um, through service. Um, so I just have a lot to give God thanks for, and I, I can't stay silent. So Amen. Just thank you guys. Thank you, Omar. And we all stand together. And we all stand together. And I'm just going to pray us out and quiet. If you guys could come on up and. Uh, sing us out as we leave we we do this once in a while and uh i apologize if you feel uncomfortable doing it but go ahead and do it for me just today if you can hold hands to the person sitting next to you okay or standing next to you we've been reminded throughout this morning that we are one body we are one church family we are one called by god for this mission And as a sign of our unity within our diversity, we hold our hands. And God, we say this morning, we praise you, we worship you, we exalt you. We honor you, we glorify you. We say you are a great God. You are a faithful God. And God, through these testimony and stories of you, and your life at work in us and through us. We're reminded this morning that you have just begun this work and that you're going to finish it. So until the day that you return to rule and reign with all authority, God, help us to be on mission. Help us to be faithful to the mission that you have called us to. May we individually and corporately embrace this call. God, that this world, this world that you love, this world is being restored and renewed. And God, we want to participate with you in this amazing work that you are at work doing. So as we leave this place and as we get up tomorrow morning, may we look with fresh eyes at the mission that you have given us to see the people differently, to see our work differently. May we pray, let your kingdom come in those areas on earth as it is in heaven. And may we prayerfully, empowered by the Spirit, make it a reality. We say all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, and all God's people said, have a great, great week. We'll see you back here next Sunday.